we're going to be doing it. I don't always teach like this. You know, I, I'll do topical teachings or others who teach here, they'll do topical teachings. We are totally um, okay with that. If you know what topical teaching it is, it's like, so say we're going to talk about healing. You know, then we'll search and see what the Bible says about healing or prophecy. We'll see what the Bible says about prophecy or the person of the Holy Spirit or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, we'll speak on that typical subject, that topic. Um, but this tonight is going to be word for word, spirit led expository teaching, which I love. And I think sometimes, especially within um, certain circles, denominations and things like that, it's not taught often. It's not done that way. Whereas in some other denominations, they only teach this way. And so for me, I don't like try to pigeonhole the Lord. I just want to do whatever he wants. So it may be a prophetic message. It may be preaching. It may be teaching. It may be exhortation. Um, so we've had the Lord come and just worship, but I do love the word for word expository, especially in the book of revelations, because there's so much confusion around this book. And a lot of it is because of the way that our, our, our minds are geared as people. And like, we just like things, give me a, B and C, you know, we, you get a, you get a, a table in the mail, a chair you buy from the store and it has instructions. You have part one, part two, part three, part four. Like we think that way, but the book of Revelations is not written that way. It actually goes into the future. It actually goes into the past. And when I mean in past from the author writing it in that moment, it shows things back in the past. And so we're going to look at all of that. But there are several key components that are um, pivotal points in the book of Revelations that almost act like a point where all these things kind of overlap and you can track them. Uh, and then I also believe the key to understanding is in Matthew 24. So we're going to read that first and then go there. Uh, I, I've taught many times and I'll continue to say it. We do not need Paul, Peter, and John to understand the words of Jesus. We need Jesus to understand the words of Paul, Peter, John, and the rest of the new covenant. The, the Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone and then the foundation is then added by the apostles and the prophets in all of scripture. Everything the apostles and the prophets taught in scripture, anything after the gospels, it's all built off of the things that Jesus said when he walked the earth. All of doctrine must flow out of it. We, again, it interprets the rest of what they said. So if we ever encounter something that contradicts something Jesus said, we're probably misunderstanding what, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's teaching a doctrine or a belief about God that's contrary to something Jesus said when he walked in the earth and he talked, then they're, like I said, they're missing something. And so we got to take what Jesus said and then from there begin to look at everything else because he's building off of, he always has worked that way. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, he builds off of what he said. You'll notice he'll he'll either reference it or or go forward that's why like the bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth right so from the foundation of the earth everything that was spoken forth what even in genesis 3 when the first promise about jesus is released and he says you will crush satan's head he, talking about the serpent your seed will crush his head how many of you know he was prophesying about jesus yeah yeah so even all of the Old Testament, would you agree that you can't really go back now and look at the Old Testament and try to interpret it without Jesus? Amen. We know it all points to him. So why do we think like moving forward, it doesn't point back to him? It's all about Jesus. Yeah. He's the centerpiece yeah. 
of all of eternity, the very last book is the revealing of him mm -hmm. and his nature and his plan that has always been since the beginning. And so we want to understand it in that context. And so, again, I'm going to challenge probably by the spirit some ideologies and some things that we've been taught. And especially one particular doctrine that I'm just not, I don't know if I'm going to go there tonight because I don't know if we're going to get there in time. Uh, maybe, you know what, we'll probably touch it. <laughs> but it's only been around for 400 years. I want you to know that. Yeah. So it's only been taught for 400 years. And in the 80s, 90s, and 70s, they really pushed this in all the movies that were coming out. Me and Courtney were the other night. We just, when we fast, we don't typically watch like secular TV. We'll just cut. You know, I'll watch like Braveheart or you know, I don't. I don't really get you know super religious. Like I'll watch a good action movie. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to get raunchy with it or anything like that. Like. I'll cut that out. I don't want that before me. I'll protect my eyes. But, you know, I'll watch a movie or a good show or like I'm trying to think of one um, we were really into, but it's not coming to me right now. But anyway, uh, like Blue Bloods. I like that show. I'll watch that. You know, other things like different stuff like that. But anyway, um, we typically try to watch Christian. And we're like literally going through all these end time movies and every single one of them portrays it in this way. But you really have to, again... To get this doctrine, you have to try to interpret what Jesus said through what Paul said and through what Peter said. To get this pattern, you, you have to dice up everything Jesus said. The only uh, word for word, um, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Timeline we get about the end times is in Matthew 24. So why in the world do you think, do we take what Jesus said and try to dice it up and toss it out? And then, like, say, well, he actually meant this. And, well, he was speaking in a mystery. No, like, a mystery is Revelations. Revelations is, is a mysterious book. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. There's actually three realms taking place in Revelations. Before we open up, I want, I want to lay that out to you. Do you understand that there's three realms? Even right now, there's three realms. Mm -hmm. There is the heavenly realm where God is from his throne. There is the spirit realm that we cannot see. And, or unless God gives us eyes to see in that realm. That's where the angelic and the demonic function. And then there's the earthly realm. And see, things get decreed in the heavens. And then there typically is a battle in the spirit realm or a time in the spirit realm. And then it bursts forth in the natural. One of the best biblical um, examples I can give you of this is in J Daniel chapter 10. How many of you have ever read Daniel chapter 10? Yeah. So God and Daniel prays on earth. God decrees the answer to Daniel's prayer, day one, the first day he prays, and sends Gabriel, one of the archangels, to bring the answer to prayer to Daniel. However, he gets hemmed up fighting the prince of Persia. How many of you know the actual physical prince of Persia was not hemming up the archangel Gabriel? That was a principality in the spiritual realm. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the heavenly places, in that spirit realm. And he gets caught up fighting him for 21 days until so much so like God has to dispatch Michael to come another archangel to fight this principality and hold him off so that then Gabriel can bust loose and then it manifests on the earth. It's just like this. In heaven, it was decreed that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. And then from Genesis all the way to Malachi, they're prophesying what they're seeing in the spirit realm. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And then on Christmas Day, hallelujah, 
Jesus burst forth into the earth, right? And what was decreed in the heavenlies mm -hmm. all the way back in the beginning of creation come through yeah. the spirit realm and burst in the natural. Does this make sense? That's good. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. So Revelations is written the same way. How many of you know whenever you, you it says that you'll see a beast rise out of the sea with a woman riding on, you're not actually going to see a beast with ten heads riding on the sea. That's what he looks like in the spirit realm. But make no mistake, there will be an actual man of lawlessness. There will be an antichrist that will rise and, and, and have power over the earth. And, and make no, no mistake, but what he looks like in the spirit is a giant beast with a woman riding on him, rising up out of the water. And so one of the things we, we misunderstand is what's taking place, A, in the heavenly realm, B, what's going on in the spirit realm, and then C, what's manifesting in the earth realm. We go, oh, well, this has got to happen, that's got to happen, this has got to happen. But I would propose to you that many of the things are happening, happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Some of the things already have happened. In the heavenly realm. And then some of the things are manifesting in spirit. And I'm going to show you. We're going to go through it word for word. We're just going to say, this is what the Bible says. And then I may, by spirit led, I may expound. But we're, we're not going to add to it. I'm not going to give you my opinion. If I give you my opinion, you better believe I'm going to say, hey, this is my opinion. Yeah. But if not, I'm just going to read what the Bible says. And then we'll believe it. Okay. By the spirit. All right. But I want to give us Matthew 24. Because again, we don't need... Revelations to understand what Jesus said. We need what Jesus said to understand Revelations. Can we all agree? Amen. Amen. That Jesus is the word made manifest. Amen. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know? Come on. Let's pray. Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Father, Father by, the Spirit, by the Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit says to the churches. Open our understanding. Give us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Help us help her. Help us. Oh, we need you. Oh, <laughs> you know, God gives grace to the humble. So when we, when we humble ourselves, he gives grace. Oh, man, I need God. I need God really bad. I, I mean, let me tell you, if you just looked at my past and my life, you'd see how bad I really, really, really need God. Every day I wake up, man, I need God. I'm such a fool. But thank God that he gives boundless wisdom to those who fear him. You know, I'm desperately in need of Jesus every day. Lord, help us to understand you. Forgive us for the times that we have tried to understand you with human reasoning and logic and not by the spirit. Lord. And please give us grace right now to understand. Amen. Matthew 24. And, uh, yeah. Jesus was leaving the temple grounds. His disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. I'm going to be in two different translations just because I happen to have these two Bibles sitting here. Anyway, um, this one's the New Living and this is New King James, which I primarily teach out of. But anyway, uh, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. How do you know that happened just as Jesus said it would? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, which I think is super interesting. That he is on the Mount of Olives saying what he's about to say. Because how many of you know that according to, I believe it's the book of Zechariah, 
um, or uh, I think it's Zechariah, he's returning on the Mount of Olives. Split. It, it splits. Yeah. Isn't it wild that he's literally like, he's about to tell you, God's so prophetic, man. You got to see, he's like, he just can't help it. He's so prophetic yeah. that he's sitting here literally telling them the signs of his returning on the very place in which he'll return. That has been prophesied hundreds of years. Yeah. All right. So he says, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So this right here sets the context for everything else that Jesus is about to say. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. I want you to pay attention to that because how many of you know that Jesus wouldn't have said it if it wasn't possible? Jesus would have warned us that we could be misled if it wasn't possible that we could be misled. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. I also want to point out that the context of everything that Jesus is saying is to the disciples. All right. And a lot of which he's saying is not fulfilled in their lifetime. So we know he's not only speaking to them, but he's speaking to all those who will follow Jesus. Right. All right. Let's go. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Did you know that right now that the, the, the and I, I would encourage you to search it out and look it up on YouTube, whatever, all over, look at the news. Right now, the rabbis in Israel, some of the big, big famous rabbis are saying that the Messiah is already on the earth and they know who he is right now. Wow. And, they're, and they're getting ready to reveal him. That they've actually been talking. I watched an interview between Benjamin Netanyahu when he got into power from like, I don't know what year it was. He was much younger than he is now. And I they, they interpreted what the rabbi was saying. And he was literally saying, yeah, there's still a few hours left in the day, but you really need to do something to hasten the return of the Messiah. They were like, you, you really need to do something. And so uh, let's move on. Wow. You'll see where I'm going here. But anyway. Uh, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead. They'll come saying, I'm the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first birth pangs with more to come. I propose to you that in my my opinion, this was World War One and World War Two. I'm giving you my opinion that that prophecy was fulfilled in World War One and World War Two, But you notice he says, and like I said, I'm giving you my opinion. Uh, you notice he says that, that, but the end won't yet come. That these are the birth pains. And I want to re remind you, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Yeah. You know, like his timeline's way different than, than ours. John says we've been in the last hour for 2,000 years. You know, in the book of John, he says we're in the last hour. But so I'm, it's safe to say that if John said we're in the last hour, we're in the last second or the last minute right now, 2,000 years later. So anyway, where are we going? Nation will go to word, but all this is the first of the birth pains with more to come. Verse 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. This has not yet happened. This happened to a degree under Nero, but it was not the whole world. And so you have to pay very close attention to what he's saying. It says the whole world. This means every nation, everywhere you go, every la every part of the world, you will be hated. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. That has not yet happened. 
and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Boy. Man, it's hard to turn on the news without seeing love growing cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel. Now, I want you to, to catch this. He says, you will see. Now, we know that every one of the disciples has passed away. Except possibly John. We don't know. Because scripture alludes to him living forever. God can do whatever he wants. If you look up research where the apostle John, did he die? They don't know. They say maybe he died this way. Maybe he's buried over here, but we really don't know. And you know they tried to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil. It didn't work. Yeah. And if you remember the conversation between him and Peter, you know, Peter's like, you know, Lord, what about this one? And the Lord's like, what, if, what is it to you, Peter, if, if he remains until I come? Yeah. You don't worry about that, basically. You follow me. Yeah. And then, again, it was said among them that this one would live forever. But then John says he doesn't say that he'll live forever, just that he would remain till he come. So he makes a point. John's writing it. Super interesting. So it's a very good possibility. You know, um, again, this is just what it says. Uh, you know, we're not taking away or adding to it. Anyway, uh, he says this. So when he says you will see, obviously he's speaking to believers. He says, um, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Ha, this translation says, reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out of the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. I want to stop right here. How many of you know the abomination of desolation is the man of lawlessness? It is the Antichrist. It says you will see him step into the temple and take his rightful place. Do you know that they have already dedicated the altar for the third temple in Jerusalem? Do you know that they literally are training priests and they've already been performing mock sacrifices in, in um, Jerusalem and they're ready for the building of the temple? Did you understand that when Donald Trump issued the decree that, uh, that the... Um, uh, that the temple in Jerusalem would be built that or, I mean sorry that Jerusalem was the capital that he paved way for the temple to be built yeah. to understand that right now the Muslims the Pope and the in the Jewish uh, people are all working together to build a temple in Jerusalem to build a third temple and they're calling it a place of all faiths to worship the one true living God that they're all in agreement that's why it's called the Abraham Accords because they're unifying through Abraham saying he's the father of all three of our faiths. That's interesting. That's why it was called the Abraham. Everything I'm telling you, you can find out. You can research. It's fact. It's it's actually in the news, just not our news. You know, but it, in Israel, so it's a very big deal. Did you know they've already made the temple coin? And they put Trump's face on it next to Cyrus? And that um, many Jews view Trump as a type of John the Baptist that will make way for the coming of their Messiah. That they say will not be of immaculate birth. Did you know that? Look, look, yeah, look it up. They think it's him. They do. They see him as, the rabbis see him as this kind of type of person. Research it. They, they think because he'll make straight. Look what he's done. For Israel. For Israel. Look what he's done. And they, see, you have to understand 
that the Jews right now do not believe the Messiah is coming in an in immaculate birth. They believe that he's going to be a mighty warrior, a mighty, powerful leader that will rise, a military leader. That's what they tried to put on Jesus, remember? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. still think the same thing. Yeah. And so, again, they do not receive Jesus as the Messiah. Their Messiah will be our Antichrist. It's very clear. They will crown the Antichrist. It's, it's clear all throughout Scripture. This is just facts in the news. You can, you can search it out. You can look it up. All this stuff has been going on while COVID happened. You know, it's super interesting that all this stuff broke, like all hell broke loose in the earth yes. right after Donald Trump and Netanyahu stood up and said, yep, Jerusalem is now under the authority of Israel. Yep. And then right after that, all hell broke loose. Yep. It just, it happened. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. I'll show you where that is anyway. So you'll see the Antichrist. So there has to be a temple. So it's not built yet, but they're building it. Uh, it says, spoke of the sacrificial office that calls death. De desecration standing in the holy place. Those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out of the deck of a roof must not go down to the house. So he's telling us what to do when we see that. He's saying run. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight may, will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began, and it will never be so again. In fact, unless time of the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Many people say we won't be here. Many, there's a great line of thought that says we won't be here for this time. But this is not what Jesus just said. Jesus has said he's going to shorten that time for you and me because we will be here for it. Um, and we will see the Antichrist rise and we will be here for this great persecution. We will be here for when they come and, and pull us out of our homes and, and things that we're going to see uh, tonight in, in the Bible. Uh, we will be here for it. Uh, he says it. And, and it. I don't know about you, too. I just want to say in the natural and maybe you haven't noticed it, but I've noticed it. it time is flying. Yes. You know, 2020 is over. Like, really, we just we've got two more months. Like. You know, it's quick. Yeah. Quick, man. Time is quick. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders, so as deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. So again, if the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to rise, and we're not going to be here because we magically get taken away, before this time, then who would the false signs and wonders be to deceive? Because he's saying, if you ain't careful, even you. So they're actually going to even be performing supernatural signs and wonders. You're like, where can you show me that in the Bible? Well, I would propose, as Hebrew says, everything is a type and shadow. So do you remember the battle between uh, Moses and, and the sorcerers of Egypt? They were performing false signs and wonders as well, right? Mm -hmm. Moses threw his staff down and turned to a snake. They threw their staff down, turned to a stake. Moses turned water to blood. They turned water to blood. They were still able to perform false signs and wonders. So will this false prophet. So if someone tells you, uh, uh, yeah, look, the Messiah is out in the desert. Don't bother to go and look. Or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. Which, again, they're saying right now. 
They literally, again, some of the chief rabbis, they will not leave Israel right now. They will not leave Israel because they're afraid they're going to miss the coming of the Messiah. And there's even a big segment saying we're having meetings already with them. Like we're, we're getting ready to announce it. So it says, don't believe that though. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of the vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Saying what? You know, it, no one knows the day nor the hour, but we will certainly know the season and the time. I don't propose to know the day nor the hour. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't even know. Satan certainly doesn't know, which means he most likely has to raise up an antichrist in every generation because he has no idea when the coming of the Lord. I would propose Hitler and Napoleon and, and look back. There's shadows and types of what will come. He's had to raise one up every generation. He doesn't know when when the end is coming. He had, only the Father knows, not even the angels in heaven. But what Jesus says is, just like you know there's a dead body around and you'll see vultures circling, when you see all these signs, buckle up. Because the end is coming. Listen to this. Uh, immediately after the anguish of those days, Another translation says the tribulation mm -hmm. of those days. The sun will be, and I want you to pay attention because this is word for word in the book of Revelations. It says the same thing, word for word in the book of Revelations. The sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at, the la at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. This is when uh, this is when Paul says, in like a twinkling of the eye, I will be called up to meet the Lord in the sky and be with him forevermore. But I can tell you it won't be some super secret thing. I'm telling you the rest of the world will mourn because they'll know and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess not turning to him in salvation but having to confess and woeing and mourning and weeping because they did not turn to him in this day and this hour and they'll know that the door has been shut and the king has come to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdom of our God. That's what it's, I just read that. It's what it says right here. He will come in a moment. And every eye will see him. It says immediately after the tribulation, it says. This is this. Uh, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. I want you to catch this. Now, the book of, um, I just read it. I think it's, I think it's Malachi. So, sorry. Uh, no, I literally just read it this morning, but my head is like, but uh, anyway, one of the prophets literally starts to prophesy the minor prophets and calls Israel the fig tree. He call, so Israel is the fig tree. All, almost all um, Jewish rabbis um, and Christian uh, uh, theologians agree that, that Israel is the fig tree that Jesus is mentioning right here. The Christians believe, but obviously the rabbis say that he, it's the fig tree according to the, the minor prophet. When he says, Israel, my fig tree, basically is what he's saying. Listen to this. It says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout. You know that summer is near. 
In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right in the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Obviously, he wasn't speaking to the apostles. He was speaking to the, the forward believers in the generation that would see the fig tree fully blossom, which I propose to you, again, in my opinion, did not happen until this year. Because Jerusalem or Israel became a nation in 1948, I believe. 19, was it 1948? But Jerusalem had not been given back over to their power. It wasn't until that it just happened. And again, I told you all hell broke loose in the earth uh, right after that happened. And that, that's again, that's my opinion. Wherever that lands uh, with you at the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. But to me, it's like the signs are here. The fig trees blossom. The whole world goes into an upheaval. Now all of a sudden you've got peace treaties that have never been happened in the planet or in the history of our planet. Peace treaties with Israel. Nation after nation is joining in peace with them, which is foretold that there'll be 10. There's already been, I think, three or four. And they're saying there's another three or four coming. That's seven. We're real close to it. They say, oh, this Jared Kushner's doing it, which is super interesting. Well, I'm not going to get into that. But like this dude has no business doing what he's doing. He's not qualified. He's never done this before. And somehow, a, he's a Jew, by the way. He's able to walk in there and make peace with these nations when nobody else in all of history was able to do it. Yeah. And part of it is like, yeah, we'll go ahead and give Jerusalem back to the Jews. They hate them. Yeah, normally. It's like something's happened and now they don't have, what in the world is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. yep, we won't pass away. Anyway, however, no one knows the day nor the hour. Again, he says, you won't know the day nor the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son of man. Only the father knows when the son of man returns. It will be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time of Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill and one will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly what a budget was, a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return at an unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, he's referencing everything he just spoke of. Yeah. And the coming of the Lord and the harvesting of the angels when, when we were called up to meet the Lord in the air. And he's referencing that. And he's saying that, again, he just told you multiple times, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the signs and wonders. Don't be deceived. Don't grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. That's going to be the temptation at this time. Lawlessness, another translation says, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will wax cold. Yeah. 
Lawlessness means an unrestrained casting off of Christian Judeo beliefs. It literally means we don't want to be bound up under that. You can't make us follow that anymore. And I'm going to tell you, if you haven't been noticing that happen, I don't know what to tell you. I remember when I when when it was a big thing that they were going to say the B word on TV. You know, I'm only, I think I'm, am I, where's recording? I think I'm 34. But I remember, I can remember, I'm not that old, like I can remember when, like, it was a big thing. Hey, they approve, they're going to say the B word on TV. It was a big deal. Now it's like, whatever. Like I remember you wouldn't show a nudity on the TV. That wasn't happening at all. They wouldn't even show in rears. And then I remember when that happened, and it was a big deal. It was like, hey, they're going to do this. And then they did it. And then the, now it's like, man, it's pretty much soft core. I mean, you know, on some stuff, commercials. Get like, Am I telling a lie? You know? I mean, it's just, woo. Anyway, that's Matthew 24. And that sets the context for everything we're about to read. <laughs> now we can open Revelations. What time is it? Say 20. That was the intro. Yeah, we're probably going to do like three days of this. All right, so I'm going to skip uh, Revelations 1 through 3. Um, maybe I'll read one. Let me see. No, obviously, I'll just, um, yeah, the context. I'll read. No, I'm going to skip it. I'll paraphrase it. Jesus shows up. John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled, and he is um, he is there, and he's in the spirit, and he falls into uh, um, a most likely a trance type state um, where where his consciousness is removed, and um, and he begins to uh, have an encounter and see a vision of Jesus Christ, and it describes Jesus. And then I want to read verse seven because again it sets the context. Or I'll, I'll read verse three and through seven and he says blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy keep those things which are written in it for the time is near and then it says john to the seven churches which are in asia grace to you and peace from him who was who is was and is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye. Somebody say every eye. Every, every eye. eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth were born because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who was and is and is to come. So again. The context is this is prophecy, and it's the context is the coming of the Lord. It sets it right there. Now, obviously, we know John goes on to um, send out letters from Jesus to the current churches. These were real churches that were taking place in that, and many of them included rebuke. Uh, some of them were allowing rampant sexual morality in the church. Some of them allowed false prophets in the church. Some of them had fallen in love with money. Some of them were doing everything right, except they neglected their intimacy with Jesus. The church of Ephesus, that was their issue. And what does God do? He lovingly rebukes them, chastises them because he loves them, and then tells them to repent. You know, And he says, if you will, I'll give you these rewards. And they speak to our rewards in eternity. 
And it, a lot of it is if, yeah, if you repent. And so those were real churches. Now, obviously, when God speaks, he's also he's speaking multifaceted. Just like when um, you'll see the prophecies to like from like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And though they were speaking to a people at that point, they were also speaking forward to when Christ would come. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? When Isaiah would prophesy and then like David would be in the middle of a psalm and, be, you know, begin to prophesy by the spirit of Jesus coming. Yeah. And it's a song, you know, yeah. and he would but in, in the middle. So it was all inspired. So obviously it spoke to the people then, but then forward. And so the same thing, I encourage you to read the letter of the churches. We often talk about um, it really reveals the nature of Jesus. Many people see Jesus as God loves you. He's okay with everything you do. Don't worry about it. You're covered by the blood. It's okay. No big deal. Yeah, read Revelations. Um, because he's not. You know, he loves you and he died for you. But he also gave you the spirit to empower you to live free from sin. God can love you in your sin and still not be okay with your sin. You know, he has the standard and the standard is Jesus. Yeah. And he empowers us to live that out by the grace of God. Like Paul said, I don't claim to have arrived, but the one thing I do is forget what's behind and press forward. Yeah. And you see the heart. That's why it's the revealing of Jesus. Yeah. You see the heart of God in the first several um, books of Revelations when he writes the letters to churches. I would encourage you to go back and read that. But for the sake of this context and eschatology, we're going to jump ahead and, and pick up um, as the things pertaining to the end times begin to, now, there is a line of thought that teaches the letter of the churches as church ages, and it seems that there may be some truth to that. But again, for me, I try to stick as literal as I can be. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to try to make something as, you know, make something be something it's not. A lot of people, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of scholars do that. I'm just, it's just truth. They try to, and a lot of them are trying to do it to say what they're saying is right. And they'll be like, this actually means this. Yeah, but that's a stretch, man. You know, like it would say, and thus says John, writing to the seven churches of the seven letters, this is also the seven church ages. And you'll see until the end. Now, is there parallels? For sure. Like if you go to the current, the lukewarm church, which is the last church, is the, is the church lukewarm right now? Certainly is. You know, at large. The church at large throughout the world, world certainly is. So is there parallels and may there be some truth to it? Yes, but it doesn't say that. So we don't want to, you know, say something is when it's not plain. And we can say it could be and I can see it, but I'm not going to bet my entire doctrine off of it, you know. Yeah, because it happens. All right. We're going to pick up in chapter four and see how far we can get. All right. After these things. So after he got the issue, the letters written to the churches. I looked and behold a door standing up open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one set on the throne and he who sat there was like Jasper and a sardis stone in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Man, it's interesting that Jesus, the king of all the earth, I point it out every time, but I just love it, that this is what he decides to have a hang around him. 
You know, I'm awfully weird, and it's encouraging that he likes weird things hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> You're made in his image. You see this, though? Like, dude, the creator of all the earth, it says he has four living creatures with eyes all around him. Uh, front and back, the first living creature like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures having six wings full of eyes all around within them. Like, I mean, you can decide, you're the creator of the earth, you can decide whatever you want to have in front of your throne, and this is what he picks. It's encouraging. <laughs> uh, they do not rest day or night, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to, and is to come. You notice he says they do not rest. So this right here, this context, you're seeing the scene of what's taking place in heaven when John wrote this and what's currently happening right now. You're seeing a scene of what, of what it's like in heaven right now until things change. And we'll see. So anyway, he says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written on the back sealed with seven seals so we, we understand this is still going on in the heaven in the heavenly realm the seals then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and the lucid seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said, the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, <laughs> has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And have you have redeemed us by God to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and breath blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And such are as in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And that 12, 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. The first seal, the conqueror. <clears throat> now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. I looked and behold a white horse. I want to pause right here. If you go um, back to Zechariah, this is all taking place in Zechariah too. And it mentions four horses and they're all the same color. Zechariah saw all this as well. And so, again, when you interpret scripture, 
must interpret to the context of all of scripture, but it's there. Um, he said, I see a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So from heaven, this thing is released in the spirit realm to go out and manifest. And this doesn't say it manifests a horseman manifests in the natural. But it manifests on the earth as as <clears throat> as conquering and taking over. It's been given power to conquer and to conquer. So look, again, here you have heaven. The seal is popped open from the throne. You have the spirit realm. It's the horseman is released. So what this thing looks like in the spirit realm is a white horse. That's what it looks like in the spirit. But when it manifests on earth, you'll see things. People are subdued and they're taken over. They're controlled. So it's given something. It's crowned. So it's given a crown. It's crowned. And then whatever happens and manifests on the earth, um, it, it begins to uh, take over and conquer and subdue people. So people come become very subjective yeah. and do whatever they're told. There's a, almost a spirit. And so, I mean, look around. But anyway, we won't go there. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see. And another horse, again, popped the seal. Another horse comes out of the spirit. Fiery red went out, and it was granted to one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. I don't know that that's happened just yet. <laughs> anyway, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third, living, the third living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. So again, do you see how it looks in the spirit and then manifests on the earth? Like that's how, if you ever operated in prophetic dreams, any, anything like that, it's very symbolic. That's how the spirit realm operates. You know, if you go back to Jeremiah and he's like, you know, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he's like, I see an almond tree. And he's like, you saw well, this is what the almond tree means. In other words, this is how that, what you see in the spirit, you see that almond tree will manifest on the earth. It's the same with these horses. You're seeing the spirit. This is also setting the context of how to interpret the rest of revelations. Right. Is he showing you how he operates? And so he says, uh, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he was set on. I had a pair of scales in his hands and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarii and three quarts of barley for a denarii and do not harm the oil and the wine, um, which again, oil and wine in the spirit speak of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if you want to bet. Uh, but they're touching. It, it's going to affect food. So the price of food will increase. That's the, the how this will manifest on the earth. But he said, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth, fourth living creatures saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him. And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill the sword with hunger and death, to kill with sword, hunger and death. And by the beasts of the earth, the fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs. I want to point out right here, the pivotal point in understanding, one of the most pivotal, there's two pivotal, well, I would say three pivotal points I want to point out to you in how to properly overlap what's taking place in heaven, the spirit realm, and the earth, 
and then and then overlapping everything that everybody else said. So what Jesus said in Matthew 24, you can overlap it right here. You're starting to see what Jesus said in Matthew 24 start to take place. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. War, famine, Jesus said all that would happen. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you will be arrested and hated by every nation for my name's sake. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the seal now pop open. And what does it say? It's literally the cry of the martyrs. It's the next thing. Yeah. So again, you'll and then you can you can look at what all the others say, Peter, Paul, all that it fits right in and it, and, it, and it comes in all overlaps. So there's three points I want to give you almost like if I were to take things and put it over, they'd be a pivot point. It's the martyrs, the Antichrist rising, the man of lawlessness and the return of Jesus. I want you to mark those three things, because as you're weaving through revelations in the, by the spirit, those three things are almost like pivot points for understanding where we're at on the prophetic timeline of God. Does that make sense? He says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony, which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them, listen, Rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as as they were was completed. This is this will take place during the tribulation when Jesus said you'll be hated by every nation for my name's sake. And it's also mentioned in Mark chapter 13, if you want to go there and references as well. And it literally says your enemies will be those of your own household. What does that mean? That means because what's going to happen is when the Antichrist spirit comes into power and people start taking the mark of the beast, they're going to be completely under the control of the demon spirit of this world. And it means whether it's your mother, your brother, your sister, your father, it won't matter. It won't matter. They will be your enemy because they will hate you because of the mark and the, the power of the demonic spirit. It's in the Bible. It clearly says it. That's why he's so keen on the household of faith. He's so keen on, on fellowship and community and having a church because there may very well come a day when the only people I can trust are those that I sit that sit across from me. There may come a very well be a day while that's why Jesus is sitting there amongst the disciples and the, his mother and brother and sister show up and they say, Lord, your mother and brother and sister outside. And he says, I'll show you my mother, and my brother and sister, those that do the will of my father, because there's going to come a day. Listen, when it won't matter what creed, what color, what race you are. What, where you come from, what nation you come from, the only dividing line will be your eternal position. It's going to be heaven and hell, Jesus or the enemy, when the one world government takes power and the Antichrist rises. It really ain't going to matter. You guys understand that like national borders are going away, right? Like it's super clear all throughout scripture, but I'm getting ahead. Anyway, you got to watch though the martyrs, man. And what, listen, listen, if we're, it's not something to be like doom and gloom about. If we get the privilege to be the generation that sees this persecution, it is precious. There's nothing more precious than dying for the name of Jesus. There's no greater reward. You see where they're at. They're literally got white robes under the throne, staring at the king of glory forever and ever. Like, where else do you want to be? Take me, man. You remember when the disciples, the apostles got beaten and whipped? They, they didn't say, God, stop it. They said, Lord, empower us to preach boldly and thank you for the privilege of being beaten for your name. Yeah. And that's really, we have to have that mindset. That's the godly mindset. Jesus said it. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll gain it. 
If you're not willing to give up your life or anything else, you're not worthy of me. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. It's, it's a precious thing to be persecuted. Man, I'm, man, I hope in Jesus' name. Anyway, I looked when he had opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and hair and the moon became like blood. Where else did we read that? In Matthew 24, right after the persecution, remember? Mm -hmm. It all ties in. Do you see? Yeah. It's all happening. So again, there's the moon became like blood and the stars fell from heaven to the earth and a fig tree drops its latest figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind and the sky receded like a scroll. It is rolled up and every mountain island move out its place and the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich and the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks and the mountains. We just read that in Matthew 24. And said to the mountains and rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. This is the coming of the Lord. This is when the sky splits. And every side I see. For the great day of his wrath. Somebody say his wrath. His wrath. Is wrath the same as tribulation? No. Because no. No. it didn't use the same word. No, did it? So you see this, this perilous time of tribulation like the earth has never seen. And then you see the coming of the Lord. And then you say his, the time of his wrath has begun. Do you notice that? Mm -hmm. And who is able to stand? After seeing these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on the tree. How do you know this was the spirit realm? Mm -hmm. There's not, they're not literally there. They're, they're on the spirit realm. Um, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice, thank you, to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the seas, or the trees, till I've sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now I'm going to say something that might challenge some people here in a minute. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribe of the children of Israel were sealed. Now, I didn't read it, but in one of the letters of the churches, Jesus calls the Jews the synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to understand that there are literally like no tribes at this current time. Like you understand that, right? Like it's not like there's 12 tribes in Israel and they know who's who. They're just, they're Jews. And they're scattered everywhere. And just remember that, you know, I know there's a whole teaching out there about a second plan for Israel and all this. I'm sorry. There's one plan for all of humanity, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he came to the Jews first, yeah. and they rejected him. Mm -hmm. And then he came to the Gentiles. And then Paul says the Jews are only saved by the preaching of the Gentiles. That's what Paul says. Meaning what? They can still convert if God so gives them eyes to see and ears to hear. They can still come into the kingdom. But some would teach you that when Jesus comes, that the Jews will be saved at his second coming. That's not what the Bible teaches. You have to receive Jesus now before he comes. When he comes, the door is shut. We know that because of the parable of the ten virgins. If you've read the, if you've read the parable, it's in Matthew 25 immediately after 24. So obviously the context is his coming. He said there were five foolish virgins and five wise, wise virgins. The five wise virgins had their oil. The five foolish did not. The bridegroom comes in an hour. You do not know if this is Jesus coming for his bride, the church. 
and he comes in and uh, the five foolish, they have to run away to get wine and then he takes or get oil and then he takes the wise in and the foolish come and knock on the door. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. The door is shut. Those are the most scary words in the whole Bible. Yeah. <laughs> is depart from me. I never knew you. Which is genosko. It's a Greek word. It means intimacy. It's very similar to the word used. It is the same word yeah. in the context of as a man knows a woman. It's like it's like we become one, Jesus. Like we have relationship. Like I love you. I need you. I walk with you. I talk with you. I invite you into every area of my life. Like he's really not looking for you to check a Christian box. You know, he's really looking for a real deal relationship with you. He really loves you. He really wants to be with you. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to correct you. He wants to guide you and lead you. And it's amazing. And without that, he says, I depart from me. I, 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 I never knew you. It's not a it's not an intellectual decision. It's a work of the spirit, you know. Oh, Jesus. So the Bible is very clear. We have been grafted in. I, I believe this is my belief, uh, according to scripture, wherever you land on it, we can talk later. Anything uh, doesn't mean we can't be family. Nothing. I believe we're spiritual Israel. I believe it's very clear. Um, he says that we have been grafted in. So you, you don't get, like, if I get adopted into a family, I take that last name. You, you know, it's not like you're not treated, even in Jewish culture, the, an adopted son is not treated differently than a, a natural born son. You know, and he actually says that if the original branch can be cut off and cut in the fire, tossed in the fire, how much more those of you that have been grafted in. So Paul says this, there's in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. So it's it's all are my chosen ones. So um, I propose to you that again, what he's about to say, the 12 tribes of Judah, I'm not convinced they're Jews only. Uh, I'm convinced they're, they're believers. I'm, I believe they're, they're believers. Um, and again, the Bible is super interesting when it gets into numbers. I mean, we, we interpret Daniel's 70 weeks as seven years. I mean, it just gets real interesting when it gets into numbers. A thousand, day, a thousand years for the Lord is as one day. One day is as a thousand years for the Lord. Sorry. But he goes on to say, I've chosen 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And he goes on to name 12,000 of every tribe except for the tribe of Dan. <clears throat> There's a letter from the Apostle Thomas. Well, sorry, the Apostle Thomas's spiritual son. And so, again, we don't read those as scripture. They're not as equal to scripture. But, I mean, if I'm going to read a book, I, would you read an, a book written by a, a minister? I, I've read yeah. books by ministers. Why wouldn't I want to read, like, a book that hung with a guy that hung out with, like, you know, the 12 apostles? Yeah. You know, so yeah. the Greek Orthodox Church, they accept the apostolic father's writings as scripture. Of course, we don't. But I will read those writings just like I would read. A, I wrote a book. You know, I would read that. I would want you to read that. You know, I would go buy, you know, my one of my, my mentor, Brian Garrett. I'd read his book. You know, you would read a book and I would read it in the same sense. You know, of course, I want to, you know, like wouldn't you want to read a book by the guy that hung out with Peter. Yes. You know, Polycarp and Clement and these yeah. guys who were the leaders of the church right after these guys. Like, 
I want to know what they had to say. You know, and they all wrote letters, every one of them. So I'll read them. And one of them, uh, who was a, I believe he was a, a disciple of Thomas, I think. Um, he said this. He said, just as we know that the Messiah came from the tribe of Judah, so we know that the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan. Oh, wow. And he mentioned it, which is super interesting because, again, it lists, does not list the tribe of Dan at all in Revelations. It excludes them, which is wild. But uh, that's, I mean, just a little nugget, a little hey, kind of interesting thing. Not in the Bible, just interesting to, you know, go, huh, okay. So obviously the Antichrist has to be a Jew, right, for them to crown him Messiah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe later I'll tell you my top three. Who I think they are. Anyway, uh, if they're alive today, I'll give you my top three. Anyway, um, so uh, where are we? Yeah. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could, no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the Lamb and before the uh, before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, "Salvation belongs to our God." who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Obviously, these are all the believers who have fallen asleep in Christ, as Paul said. Um, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So now we see, we get a glimpse into, into after the tribulation. So those are all standing there. The ones, again, if we jump over to uh, the fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs, when he says, when will the time be? And again, we correlated the fifth seal with that great persecution that we saw in Matthew 24, because it literally word for word, it says, he says, this will happen. And then you see in the fifth seal, this is happening as the seal is popped. And he says, when will our numbers be uh, fulfilled? And now you're seeing, he's saying, literally saying, this is them, the ones that fulfilled the number that washed, they're, they're the ones that, it, that died in the tribulation. Therefore, and I would propose to you that the 144,000 are the ones that live. I would propose to you that the 144,000 are those who live. That's, anyway. Uh, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in the midst. I'll, I'll add that that's my opinion, by the way. Uh, but the, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All right. Seventh seal. The prelude to the seven trumpets. And he opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood on the altar. He was given much incense, 
that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Do you remember when... In Matthew 24, it starts talking about that the uh, there's smoke and blood and, and all that stuff. And the, the, the stars start to fall from heaven. And there's earthquakes and all, all that. Matthew 24. It's right here. So anyway. Um, yeah. So. The first trumpet. The first angel sounded in hail and fire followed mingled with blood and they were thrown into the earth and a third of the trees were burned up. All the green, all the green grass was burned up. Second trumpet. Yeah, I have it here. I'm going to go there. So many of you know I had an encounter with the Lord where, where I fell into a trance. And again, if you don't think that's biblical, like Peter did it, Paul did it. It's all over the Bible. Um, and I, saw, I actually saw this, um, which is actually, you know, again, one of the the reasons I know like that I, that we're here for this is because I saw it. Um, I saw the earth burn up. Like I literally saw the, the third of the earth burned up. The second angel and something like a green mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures uh, in the sea that died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and the, the springs of the water and the star was... Uh, the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became worm, Wormwood, and many men died from the water because the wa it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine. Likewise, the night, remember when he says it'll be the sun and it'll be darkened? He says that in Matthew 24. Uh, did not shine likewise at night, and I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet the three angels were about to sound. The fifth trumpet, the locust from the bottomless pit. This is another thing I saw um, in the encounter that I had um, were, were these. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came up the earth and was given them a power as scorpions of the earth. Um, the earth had power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Remember those who lived beyond the tribulation period who survived they weren't allowed to touch they could touch the wicked but they could not touch god's people we see this um in egypt you, you know the wrath of god which this is still not yet the wrath by the way uh is poured out on the earth boils you know um blisters but it did not touch the israelites it only touched the egyptians which again we know in hebrews everything is a shadow and a type um and so you just see it all throughout scripture. Even Noah is on the earth in judgment. God's judgment's poured out on the wicked, but it doesn't touch Noah. He's preserved. So we don't have to be removed from the earth for God's judgment to be poured out. Psalms 91 is a clear um, blueprint, if you ask me, to endure this period. I mean, you see all the events in Revelations listed in Psalms 91. If you read it, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of Almighty. It will not come nigh your dwelling. A thousand shall fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it won't come near me. Plague, it goes through all these things. But anyway, uh, these are those who, uh, again, endured the tribulation period. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sounds of chariots. Um, with many horses running into battle. Now, do we, where are we going to see this in the natural? In my encounter, it looked that way, that they kind of broke forth, you know, from the spirit realm, and it was like the veil was thin. When I saw it looked that way, but again, it could be, you know, in the spirit realm, and people can't see it. They're wondering why they're being tormented, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like, it's just jumping on them. And they had breastplates like... Breastplate of iron, the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails... Like scorpions, and there were sitting stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abidin, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Sixth trumpet, the sixth trumpet, the angels from the Euphrates. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying, the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who were bound in the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month of the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the visions. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red. Uh, heighteneth blue, sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. These three plagues, the, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in the mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who did not, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons. So again, all this is still the mercy of God. That's what I want you to see. His, his heart behind all of this is still to get mankind to repent. But they still, they won't repent. It says, and idols of gold and silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murderous or their sorceries or their sexual morality or their thefts. The mighty angel with the little book. I saw still another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice, as with a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven utters uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in, are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it that there should be no delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants his promise. So here comes Jesus. 
He's getting ready to split the sky. Here he comes. You know, he said, hey, it's coming to a close. Then the voice, which I heard from heaven, spoke to me again and said, go and take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea of the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I looked, I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Thank you. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So obviously this is him taking place in the spirit. God put in him, in the, he ate it in the spirit, and he's about to proclaim it. Does that make sense? God put it in him, and he's about to proclaim it. John's just telling you what he saw in the spirit. Then I was given a read. Now, I want to stop right here. John pauses. Okay. And, and again, here's where our understanding of Revelation, it starts to get a little dicey. Because up until this point, it's been bam, 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 right? right. But now John's starting to be taken in the spirit to other places, right? And he's shown this other thing. And then, then he kind of he got an individual word where here, take and eat this. And then you're going to proclaim that. And it wasn't necessarily about things that were going to come. It was... He was receiving something in the spirit. And so when it get, when we start to get into, too, you'll notice, which I think we'll end with the trumpets tonight. I think I think we'll end with the trumpets tonight. It's 9 o'clock. I think we'll end. We got, we got one more chapter, and we'll end with that. And we'll pick back up on the woman, the child, and the dragon, which is actually one of my favorite parts, and, I, and which is where I can show you the United States of America in the book of Revelations. Um, and we can talk about that. And so it, it's, in, it's in this section. Um, and it, this is actually where he now stops seeing in the future and he goes back in time and he goes back in time and then he goes forward and then he goes here and he starts to go back and forth um, because he goes back to the day Christ is born. And you'll see when he goes back in the back in time, because obviously at this point in time, you know, Christ has already come, but he clearly is going to mention Christ's birth. And so we'll go over that next week. We'll pick back up next week. But let's end here. Uh, I just want to show you that now it's starting to get kind of, this is where a lot of stuff gets really confusing and starts jumping around. And because he's off in the spirit, he's like, oh, and I saw this, and, and then I saw that, and then I saw this. But then in the spirit, it's like, it's like the Lord was like, yeah, these things are taking place. But, oh, I want to show you this. And he shows that, and then he comes right back to it. Um, and a lot of times that's how the prophetic works. But anyway, um, the two witnesses. Uh, he says, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel said to me, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. Obviously, he's talking about he's talking about um, the third temple, you know, at the time that that exists standing there where the abomination of desolation. We read in Matthew 24 will go and sit down. And he says, but leave out the court, which is outside the temple. And do not measure it for his being given to the Gentiles, for they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days closed in sackcloth. I would, I would propose to you that, again, here's the Lord reaching out to Israel. Again. That the two witnesses are sent to them. And many would tell you that the two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah because they're the only two that did die. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. And so they'll tell you it's Enoch and Elijah because they both got caught up. Enoch got caught up and he was not. And Elijah got took. However, I can show you in scripture that it's not Enoch and Elijah. I'm going to show you right here that it's not Enoch and Elijah, but that it's Elijah and Moses. What's Elijah that died? Huh? What? 
plus Elijah. Elisha died. Elijah got caught up in the. I'm talking about. Oh, John the Baptist. Yeah, well, that, yeah, he was in the spirit of Elijah. But you'll see on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, right? Right. On the Mount of Transfiguration. And then if you go back, and I think it's it's Malachi, I, I do believe, um, that prophesies the coming of the law and the prophets before the great and terrible day of the Lord. The law and the prophets. Well, who gave the law? Moses. Who was the greatest prophet? Yeah. Elijah. And it's the, it's the coming of the two witnesses. And you're going to see the manifestations of their ministries as well in the, yeah. in the life of the two witnesses. Which I believe, because he's the Lord is like, will you listen? I will send you, Israel, the fullness of the law and the prophets mm -hmm. to preach to you my, the coming of Jesus, wow. like the gospel of Jesus. Will you, you want to hear my son? Will you hear them? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. See? Yeah. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angels stood, rise and measure the temple of the altar of God, those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloths. These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands standing before the earth, God of earth. Where do you see this? In the book of Zechariah. Then I feel the Holy Ghost. They're standing before his throne in the book of Zechariah. You see the two olive trees. They actually are pouring out oil that flow. It's the law of the prophets that flow into the seven lamps. And look at it in Zechariah. They're fueling the seven spirits of God. Wow. The lamps keep them burning. Mm -hmm. It's wild, dude. Yeah, so look. He says, if anyone wants to harm them, listen, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Who called down fire? Elijah. Elijah did. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Elijah. Who shut the heavens? Elijah. Elijah. <clears throat> and they have the power over water to turn it to blood. Moses. Who turned water to blood? Moses. And to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Who could strike the earth with plagues? Moses. Moses. So there you go. It's Elijah and Moses. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome, and kill them. So the Antichrist, which again, he's alluding to what he's about to show you, which we haven't yet got into. Um, because again, they're all overlapping. But uh, it says he kills them, and their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So God is saying at this point, Jerusalem is what? Sodom and Gomorrah spiritually. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, making merry and sing gifts to one another because these prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. <laughs> now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. And their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Seventh trumpet, the kingdom proclaimed. I'm going to show you the goodness of our God. Yeah. We'll see how merciful he is. Mm -hmm. All after all this, all this, and they wouldn't repent. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. 
Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders set before God on their thrones, fell their faces, and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, the one who is and was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, meaning what? He's about to split the sky. And the time of the dead that they should be judged and you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, uh, small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings, noisings, thunders and an earthquake and great hail. And then he stops right here and he actually goes to a totally different scene, a totally different direction and starts actually talking about um, talking about. He goes into, it says, it's, it goes back to the birth of Jesus. And he actually goes back in time, the very next beginning of that chapter. So we're going to land right here. But it, he leaves off at the coming of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so he showed you all the things that are happening in heaven right. and how they're manifesting on the earth. Wow. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. God, I ask that you just continue to help us to understand your prophetic timeline, where we're at on it, um, and then just to illuminate the, the, the study of the end times, Lord, and your coming. We look forward to the coming of the King, Lord. It's literally what our heart cries out for. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say come, so we long for it. We say come, even so come, come quickly. Lord, I pray, I pray you bless everyone this week, Lord. Um, heal bodies. Heal minds, God. Yeah, just sweet sleep over your your bride right now, God. Any any uh, terrors in the night, God, be broken. Lord, I just pray right now, like a sweet blanket of peace comes. Yeah. Forgive us, Lord, of any transgressions. Wash us clean. Heal my body, Lord. Heal uh, yeah. Yeah. heal the bodies of your people, and just protect us, Lord. And we pray. We thank you for strength to endure. To the end of this fast, Lord. We just thank you. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.